guys are here tonight. The reason I showed you that video is because this, I, I found this incredible, this, this is cool. This guy can jump cars. Now, I've seen another video where a guy jumps a moving car that's coming towards him. And I watch that, and I think that has got to be one of the dumbest things you could ever do. So I checked out. I, I looked into that guy a little bit more. His name was Chris Bryant. He actually started jumping chairs when he was in elementary school. He said he got to the point one day in class where they had eight chairs stacked up, and he was jumping it without any problem. So he said one day somebody dared him, just said, hey, go jump over that car. So he figured, okay, I'll try it. And sure enough, he cleared the car. And as he cleared that car, he said he just realized this is something he could do. So he just started doing it more and more. And as he did it, he got better at it. And it got him, it started out as a news story. It got him a commercial with Nike just because he could jump over a car. And the question he throws out at the end there is, is what got my attention. And I hope, I hope you'll, you'll see tonight as we look at the book of James, as we're still finishing up chapter one, is he asks this question, why don't you? You see, as we look at the book of James, James hits us pretty hard in the face with some pretty important stuff where he calls out what we're doing, what we're supposed to do. As Christians, if we say we believe in God, we say we follow this person, Jesus Christ, there's some things that God calls us to do. And as we go through what we're going to look at tonight in James, that question keeps popping up over and over. If we're Christians and this is what we're supposed to do, then why don't you? Why don't I? Why don't we? Why don't we do these things that Christ tells us we know we should be able to do? But before we jump into that, let's do a little review. Who wrote the book of James? James, the brother of Jesus, his half-brother, his, his, uh, Joseph's first biological son. Who did he write this book to? What's that? Twelve tribes. The 12 tribes of the dispersion. He wrote this book to the people that were in that first church in Israel, those first Christians. Because as persecution started happening, as people started coming after the church, as the Romans started coming in and taking over, those people were dispersed. They were sent out into different areas, into different cultures. And, and as they started taking part in some of those cultures, they started facing trials and troubles. That's what we talked about last week. And not only that, but they started experiencing some different belief systems. That these people in these other cultures, they had different faiths and they had different religions. And as they started to encounter some of those, some of those folks were fooled. You see, they started to believe some of those false belief systems. They started to practice some of those false religious practices. And James is going through tonight where we're going to be at the end of chapter 1. And he's talking about when you, when you face those things, you need to wake up. Because you're being deceived. And see, the reality is, I think some of us right here in this room have been deceived in the exact same way. That we've got a world that tells us that there are many roads to God. You can call him Allah, you can call him Buddha, you can call him whatever you want to call him. As long as we're all going the same direction, as long as we're all doing good things and we don't hurt each other, there are many roads to God. See, that's not what Scripture says. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we've got a world telling us that it's okay to do these things and, and, and to go to these parties and, and fill our bodies with all this junk and to have sex outside of marriage and to do all these different things that the world says is okay. And Scripture says, no, that's not what God wants for our lives. 
So as we talk about some of those things tonight, I want you to ask yourself this question in the back of your mind. As I'm reading this stuff, as this stuff is going into my life, going into my ears, do I do those things? And if not, why? Why don't I do those things? Why don't I do what James is talking about tonight? So let's jump right into it. The first question, the first thing that we're going to see in Scripture tonight is a question James is proposing is why don't you just listen? Why don't you just listen? In fact, here's what I want you to do right now. If you've got pen and paper, write this down. If you don't, think about it in your head. But over the last eight weeks, eight weeks, how many times have you been to a church service? Wednesday, Sunday, maybe you've been to a church that does Sunday night church. Think about it in your head. How many times you've been to a church service over the last eight weeks? Now, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, if you can write this down. In those eight weeks, can you name three things that you've learned from one of those sermons that you've heard in eight weeks? Can you name just three things? Some of you are shaking your head, no, I can't. Three things, that's all I'm asking. Think about it for just a second. Eight weeks of church. You've heard anywhere from eight to 16, if you go to Sunday night, 24 different sermons that you've possibly heard. If you go to school here at NFC, chapel, you've had even more than that. So that's potentially anywhere from 16 to upwards of 50 different biblical principles that you've heard in that span of eight weeks. Could you name me three? That's all I'm asking for. Anybody? Can anybody do that? Somebody give me three. Mr. Helms. Okay. Okay. You talking about Sunday morning? Okay, yeah. Talking about the Ten Commandments in church. Today in chapel, y'all talked about the three relationships. Do you remember what those three relationships were? Yeah, God and family and church. And then if you don't have a right relationship with God, it's going to be a problem with the others. If you're right relationship with God, then family and church are going to fall in line. And then, yes, Sunday morning in Sunday school, we talked about sharing your faith. And we talked about what that looked like from the book of chapter Acts, or book of chapter Acts, the book of Acts. And we looked at a, an interaction there. You see, we have a lot of opportunity to hear the Word of God. We have a lot of opportunity to hear how His Word applies to our life, what those biblical principles are. And that's why I asked you guys if you could name just three from the last eight weeks, because the reality is a lot of times we'll go and we'll sit in a service and we'll do what some of you are doing right now. You look at the preacher or you look around, or you may be writing notes on your card, or you're talking to a friend, because nobody will notice when you're leaning over talking to a friend. And we don't listen. We don't pay attention to what's going on. We don't realize that there is truth being spoken from the Word of God, and it actually has something to do with our lives. And James is asking us this very question tonight, why don't you just listen? And he does it starting in verse 19 of, ch of chapter 1. Here's what he says. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, 
slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. How many of you have ever been in a conversation and somebody, you're talking to somebody and you can tell they're getting antsy, they're getting fidgety, because the whole time you're talking, all they're wanting to do is to say the next thing. You guys ever been in a conversation like that? Anybody? How many of you, that's been you? Maybe your parents are talking to you and all you want to do is blurt that out and defend yourself, but you don't understand what happened. Let me tell you, let me, let me tell you what happened. And your parents are just coming at you. I want to talk, I want to talk, I want to talk. But you see, Scripture tells us right here, it says, be quick to what? To listen, to hear. Because see, it's real easy for us. Our natural tendency is to want to be the person talking. We want to get our thoughts out of our head. We want to spew those ideas out of our mouth, and we want people to stop and listen to us. But Scripture tells us before it ever talks about speaking, it says, be quick to listen. Because that's how important that is. You know, you've, you've heard the phrase before, God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you should listen twice as much as you speak. That's what Scripture says. To listen, to be quick to hear. When your parents are getting on your case, when, when they're coming after you and all you want to do is defend yourself, or that teacher is asking you a question or you feel like they're coming after you and you just want to speak out, or your friends are talking to you and you got really exciting news and you just want them to shut up so you can say your part. The scripture says, slow down, be quick to listen, to pay attention to what's going on. Because right here, what he's talking about, he's saying we need to be quick to listen and we need to be slow to speak and we need to be slow to anger. See, because a lot of time when we're not listening, when we're anxious to speak, we miss the truth of what people are saying. For instance, when your parents are getting on to you, for giving your little brother or sister a swirly in the toilet, trying to get the mustard out of their hair, and all you want to do is defend yourself. I would want to defend myself. When you miss the fact, never mind how the, how the mustard got there and why you're doing it in the toilet instead of the shower in the first place, never mind the fact that your parents, they're not mad because of that one thing you did. Well, maybe a little bit but they're mad because they're worried about your little brother or sister drowning in the toilet. And when we're quick to defend ourselves and we're quick to get our words out instead of listening, we miss that truth. Or I was at, I was at a, a, a weekend conference with a bunch of high schoolers one time, and we had a speaker, and somehow we got off on the topic of, of gender roles and the way God created us. And I had a group of guys in this youth group, and they liked to wear girls' jeans. It was a style. I don't understand it. It's weird, but that's what they did. And here's what happened. The speaker made one comment. He made one comment about guys wearing girls' jeans and how that was confusing gender roles. And those guys got so mad. And all they wanted to do for the next day and a half of that retreat was go after the speaker and defend themselves and talk to everybody in the group about why he was wrong and why he shouldn't have said that and he has no right. And they missed everything else he said that weekend. They missed every other truth that God brought out of his mouth from scripture that weekend because they got angry and they were quick to speak, but not quick to listen. 
They didn't give God a chance to work in their hearts through everything else that that guy said because they were so busy trying to defend themselves. And that's why he talks about the next thing when he says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to anger. Because let's be honest, when we're angry, our anger doesn't always have anything to do with God, does it? It tells us that anger does not produce the righteousness of God. When you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off like they do on Thomasville Road now that they've put in that turn lane and people come flying up the right-hand side and cut you off before you turn on the live oak and you just look at them and you say, the first shall be last. Now, is that the righteousness of God? No, you look at them and say, stop doing that, you idiot. Stop cutting me off because you're mad. Why? Because they did something to us because they hurt my pride, because they took my spot, because they cut me off, made me slam on the brakes. And do you understand what I'm saying there? Everything is me, I, us. See, that anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Very rarely, when we're quick to defend ourselves, when we go after somebody and we're quick to speak, very rarely are we angry because of something God would be angry about. Very rarely is it because we see sin and we are outraged by that the way God is outraged by that. Most of the time, it's because it's about us. And that's why James says right here that we need to listen. We need to understand what's going on and we need to stop ourselves before we get to that point of anger because that anger doesn't bring out the God in us. It brings out the bad in us. It brings out the sin in our lives. It brings us to a point that God says, hey, I don't, I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to be that person. That's why the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Impatience, anger, pride. No, what is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah, all of those are the fruit of the Spirit. When we've got those in our life, guess what? Those make it easier to listen to people. Those make it easier to hold our tongue. Those make it easier for us to not get angry. So James is saying, why don't we just listen? You, me, when somebody might possibly be speaking truth, especially the truth of the word of God, we've got to be able and willing to listen to what they're saying because that may have a huge impact on our life. One of those three points that you remembered out of a potential of over 50 from the last eight weeks may be what God uses to tell you what he wants you to do with the rest of your life. It may be what God is telling you he wants you to do tomorrow in whatever situation you're dealing with right now. But we've got to listen to it. We've got to hear it. And he goes on to talk about uh, the, uh, the putting off. In verse 21, he says, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls the implanted word. He talks about the putting off. The, the way this is written in the original text, it's, it's referencing taking off like dirty clothes, just nasty. Some of you that play sports or, or work in the yard or do work on cars, when you get done, you're just nasty, sweaty, smelly, greasy, just gross. And one of the best things to do is to go home and take those off and take a shower and get clean and put on clean clothes. That's what he's talking about there. 
He's talking about this filthiness, this ugliness. We're supposed to take those things off of us. But the only way we know how to take them off is if we've listened to the word of God. Because the word of God is what addresses those things. That's why he talks about the implanted word. Do you know what the word is? What is the word? Not a rhetorical question. Word of God. Scripture. The implanted word. John 1, in the beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jesus Christ. The Word. The implanted Word. How do we get the implanted Word in our lives? Yeah. You listen to it. You read it. Thank you for the visual there, Rachel. You spend time in it. You memorize it. Oh, scary thought, isn't it? I know you guys can memorize verses because you memorize songs all the time. For instance, I'm not going to ask you to. Well, a good example, some of you who came up here and did this game tonight, you knew how the song was supposed to go. You had a little trouble getting it out, but you knew how the song was supposed to go. Or I bet I could probably name a couple songs and, and you would know some of the words to these songs. For instance, anybody here know any of the words to Keith Urban's You're Gonna Fly? Okay, there's a couple of you. Now, let's, uh, we're going we're gonna to start hitting different crowds here. How about We Found Love by Rihanna? Yeah, okay, there's a couple of you. How about Stronger by Kelly Clarkson? Okay. Now, if I gave you the chance and put you in a car and cranked the radio driving down the road, I bet you could sing every word to some of those songs. But if I came to you and I said, tell me what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 3 through 8 say. Who could do that? Did it once. Now, I chose that one because the SALT team, the leadership team for the youth group, they had to memorize that. And when we took our trip to Orlando a couple weeks ago, every single person on that trip, all 16 of them, sat down and told us those verses. You see, we can do it. The implanted word, it requires work. It requires us to sit down, to look at God's word, and to put it in our life so that when the radio is turned off and somebody says, hey, can you tell me this verse? You can just rattle it off the same way you just sang that song. Don't tell me you can't memorize things because I've seen you do it. I've watched you sing. I've watched some of you memorize scripture. But we've got to work at it. That's why it's implanted. It becomes a part of who we are. It's something that can't be pulled out and can't be taken away because God has implanted it into our life and into our heart. And once it is there, you can't take that away. And James is saying that's important. But if you're going to get there, if it's going to be implanted, if it's going to help you take off that filthiness and that dirtiness and that ugliness, you've got to work at it. But we've got to hear it. Why don't you just listen? The second why don't you question he asks us there is why don't you just remember? Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've heard all 50 of those points. But can you really name three of them? I mean, specific word for word, can you name those three things and how they apply to your life? He asks us that question because it's important that when we hear all of this stuff, we've got to remember it. I, I bet you guys have never been guilty of this. Your parents come to you, 
and your parents ask you to do something, and you're in the, you're in the middle of doing your own thing, homework, listening to music, talking to your friends, playing on Facebook, playing words with friends, playing whatever you do, and about 20 minutes later, your parents come to you and say, hey, did you do this? And you just look at them and go, I'm sorry, I forgot. Anybody ever been guilty of that? Yeah, I think every one of you ought to have your hands raised. Think you're lying. Yeah, this happens in my house all the time. I've said the same thing to Kathleen. She'll ask me to do something. I'll get busy doing my own thing. Did you do this? I'm sorry, I forgot. I'll go do it now. But James tells us, he says, we've got to remember. He tells us that starting in verse 22. Here's what he says. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and, does not, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. What James is telling us right here is all these opportunities we have to hear the truth, to hear the word of God, to hear how it applies to our lives, we must take advantage of those opportunities. We must listen, but then we must remember what we've heard. We've got to pay attention to what's going on, and we've got to remember what the truth, what the Word of God says. For instance, raise your hand if you've heard this preached on before. Honor your father and mother. Liar. <laughs> okay, you got it up. Flee from sexual immorality. How many of you ever heard that one before? How about... Don't be drunk with wine. It's in scripture. Love one another as I have loved you. It's Jesus talking. Okay, I got a lot of hands going up. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Go into all the world making disciples and baptizing. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse. A couple of you have heard that one. How about this one? Keep holy the Sabbath. Okay. Some of you remembered those. Some of you did not. But I can guarantee you, you've heard every single one of those at least twice in your life. I can promise you, because those are very popular scriptural topics that get preached on a lot. The question is, do we remember it? We hear it, but do we hear it and then walk away? Or do we remember it and then do something about it? James says that, that when we hear the words of God, we turn around and we act like we never heard the words of God. It's just like forgetting what we looked like in the mirror. My one-year-old daughter knows what she looks like in a mirror. Yes, she does. Because she can walk by a picture of herself and she'll start pointing at herself and try to say her name or she'll start saying me, me, me. She knows what she looks like. She can recognize herself, and she's one. When we look in mirrors, we do something about what we see, don't we? When you get up in the morning, I will wager nine times out of ten, what you look like when you get to school is not what you looked like when you got out of bed that morning. Maybe it's true for some of you, and your friends hopefully are honest and let you know what's going wrong. I said maybe. <laughs> But nine times out of ten, guys, a mirror draws us to action. We remember what we look like in the mirror. We look, in, we look into a mirror and we see things that we want to change. So we do our hair. You ladies may do your makeup. 
or put in earrings or put on jewelry. Guys, you may shave. We do all these different things because we want to change what we see. Because what we see in the mirror is not satisfactory to us. We want to make it look better. We want to make it look more presentable to other people. And what James is saying right here is that when we look at the word of God, it's like looking into a mirror. And the reason I think a lot of us want to forget what we see when we look into that mirror of God's word is because when we look into the word of God, we encounter God himself. And all of a sudden that shows us who we really are. It shows all of our imperfections. It shows all of the areas in our life that we know aren't quite the way we want them to be. It shows us the fact that we are sinners and that's what God calls us. And we don't like that. And just like when we look in a mirror and we do ourselves up and we, we change what we see because we don't like it, that's what the Bible calls us to do when we look into the mirror of God's word. It calls us to action. It calls us to do something. It says you and you and you and you and me, every single one of us, we are sinners. And we know deep down in the darkest places that we don't want anybody to know about it, that we can't change that. Only Jesus Christ can. Only the God who died over 2,000 years ago on a cross for our sin for those things in our lives that we hope nobody ever finds out about, for those thoughts, for those actions, for those words that come out that we don't want people to know, Jesus Christ died for that. And when we look into the truth of Scripture, we are faced with that reality, and then the question is, what do we do about it? Do we remember that on a daily basis? Or do we turn around and say, okay, that was nice, that was a great sermon, I'm going to go do my own thing now and act like we never heard it. Act like it never, never came into contact with our lives because when we do that, it says we're walking away and we are completely forgetting what we just heard. That's a scary place to be, to turn your back on the word of God. It is. And that's why James goes to the last one here. And it's the word, it's the phrase that he uses at the end of that question. Why don't you? And then the Nike symbol comes up and it says, just do it. Why don't you listen? Why don't you remember? Why don't you just do it? Why don't we take the things that we hear, these truths in Scripture, and we remember what they said. Okay, we've heard it, and we might actually remember it. Now, why don't we turn around and do something with it? Where Scripture says to honor your mother and father. Okay, I've heard it. I know I'm supposed to do it but do I? And the way that I treat them, and the way that I talk to them, and the way that I don't talk to them sometimes, and my attitude. I know that scripture tells me that I'm supposed to flee from sexual immorality. I remember that. But do I do it? When I see that guy or girl walking down the hallway and my mind starts to wander, do I do those things? Do I actually do what scripture calls me to? Not to be drunk with wine. Well, I drink beer, not wine. Same principle. Don't get drunk. Be safe. Just stay away from it altogether. You see, Scripture is very clear 
on how God wants us to live a life that glorifies and honors him. And when we hear it, we have the opportunity to remember it and then turn around and do something about it. That's what he says in James 1.25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. When we hear the word of God, when we make a conscious effort to actually remember what the word of God says and how it's speaking into our lives, and then we turn around and do those things that God has called us to do, it tells us that we will be blessed in our doing. Now, does that mean life will be rosy and everything will be great and you won't have any problems anymore because you're doing what God said? No, that probably means in some ways your life's going to get harder because you're not going to be doing what everybody else is doing. You're not going to be saying what everybody else is saying. You're not going to be watching what everybody else is watching. You're not going to be listening to what everybody else is listening to. But it says God will bless us in that doing. Why don't we just listen? Because we're tired and we want to take a nap during church. Why don't we just remember? Because I just woke up. I don't remember what he said. Why don't we just do it? Well, because it's hard. Because I don't really want to change some of the things I'm doing because they're fun. And, and I know if I change them, my friends are going to make fun of me. And they're going to laugh at me. And I just, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. But that's what James is calling us to. That's what God is calling us to. To live a life that's different. To live a life that when somebody looks at your life, they can look at you and say, there's something different about that person. What is going on in their life? They, okay, they don't have it all together, but there's a joy there. We talked about that last week. In the middle of all the garbage they're dealing with, there's a joy. And it's a joy that only comes from the word of God, from knowing who he is, from taking the truth that is in scripture and implanting it in our life and then doing something with that truth. So how do you, how do, you do that? It's simple. Number one, get the word of God in your life. Listen to it. Let it be implanted in who you are. Let it be a part of you. There are certain songs that as soon as you hear one note, you can take off with that entire song and sing the whole thing, and it's triggered by one note. Why can't we do that with Scripture? So that when we get into a situation and we're not quite sure what to do, the Holy Spirit is working in our life, and all of a sudden that verse that we forgot we ever even memorized pops into our head, and we know exactly what God wants us to do in that situation. Because that's how it works, guys. That's what God does. If you, if you ever get the opportunity to hear Kathleen teach, she'll tell you that she'll get up and she'll start talking. And half the time when she's teaching, it's not because she's not prepared or planned out. But when she's done, she can't tell you some of the things she said. Some of the verses she's used. Because it's the Holy Spirit speaking through her. And using those verses that she she's used this phrase, I didn't realize I remembered that verse. And she won't even realize it's going on, but God has worked through her and done exactly what he's wanted to do. And he does the same thing and can do the same thing in every one of our lives. But it's got to be there. We've got to let it be implanted. We've got to sit down and memorize scripture. 
The second thing we can do, you know what's going to help you remember it? Take notes. Take notes. It's that simple. Write stuff down. Even if you don't write down anything but the three or four points or one point and the scripture references, take notes. Because at some point, you may be dealing with something and it may trigger a memory. I heard a sermon about that. Wait, wait, wait. I know the Bible says something about that. And you can flip open to those notes and you can see what scripture says. Take notes. You do it for school, I hope. And why? Because you're going to have a test, right? You take notes so you can study back over it. So when the test comes, you can do a good job. Guess what, guys? You are going to have tests and trials in your life. And if you don't have the word of God, you're not going to know what he wants you to do in those situations. You're not going to remember that he promises that he works all things for good for those who love him. You're not going to remember that he gives us a peace that passes all understanding. That he created us as the pinnacle of his creation, and he said it is very good when everything else was good. We've got to take notes. And the last thing is simple. Just do it. Do what the Word of God says. As we do what the Word of God says, we are blessed in our doing. When you make those hard choices, when you do things that your parents aren't going to understand, your friends aren't going to understand, you'll be blessed. Now, I'm going to embarrass Courtney and use her as an example for a minute. Courtney got baptized a couple weeks ago. Courtney, when she was younger, prayed a prayer and got baptized. But recently, Courtney realized that she didn't really have a relationship with Christ. She'd just been a part of the whole Christian culture for a long time. So she came to Kathleen and says, I need to be saved. I need Christ in my life. And then got baptized because that's what Scripture tells us to do. That's the example Christ gave us. And her own family had questions about that, didn't they? Not sure about why well, you did this years ago. Why are you doing it again? I know when I said what was going to happen, I had people questioning me. I thought Courtney was a Christian. She did too. Now she is. We're going to have questions. We're going to have people look at us like we're weird. But when we follow God's word, we are be blessed in our doing, even when that doing is hard, even when that doing is uncomfortable. If we will listen to God's word, if we will remember God's word, if we will do what God's word says, you will be amazed how your life is different. It's not going to be easier, but it will glorify and honor God. And that is what we're called to do, right? That's what he calls us to do as ones who say we follow him. We are his disciples. He wants us to remember, to listen, to remember, and then just follow him. You guys bow your heads for a second. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not going to make anybody stand up and do anything. Everybody, every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you in here would tell me right now, you know you're not doing what God's calling you to do? You've heard his word. You remember some of the things that you've heard, but you know you're not doing what he's called you to do. I want to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around because I want to pray for you because that's a tough place to be. Okay, thank you for your honesty. 
Thank you. Okay, a couple of you. If you're here tonight, and maybe you're finding yourself in that same position Courtney was in a couple weeks ago, you've been around the Christian culture for a long time. You play the part really well, but you know you don't have a relationship with Christ. You can change that tonight. You can do something about it right here, right now. And I challenge you, encourage you, urge you, as soon as that first note is played, get up and come to the back of the room and talk to me because I would love to show you how that starts. Maybe you've got something else you want us to pray for you. Those, what those green cards are for. Write down that prayer request. Come up, put it in this basket over here to your right on the stage. Because we believe, we believe here at North Florida Baptist Church in the power of prayer that God answers prayers. Maybe not how we want him to all the time, but he does answer prayer. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God that loves, that you are a God that forgives, that you are a God that calls us to action and doesn't let us just sit and do nothing when it comes to following you. And God, I pray right now for everybody that raised their hand in here tonight, God. We know what your word says, God, but it can be so hard to actually get up and do it. God, I pray for each one of these folks that raised their hand. I pray that you will give them the courage. Give them the boldness, God. Surround them with people that are going to, to just push them in the direction you want them to go. Give them the strength to do what it is you're calling them to do, God. What your word implanted in us tells us we need to do to obey you, to follow you, to love you. God, we do love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.